Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Join me today for the gifts and callings of God. We're going to talk about how that these gifts and callings work together in your life, but especially today in the local church. How do they work there? Because God has called all of us to be at a church, attend, and not only come against the things of the world, but work together in unity with the body of Christ. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. We have been discussing last week and this week, talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've been breaking that down a line at a time. We've been breaking it down a verse at a time. And we stopped from there because we found in that one chapter, there's a section there dealing with the offices in the body of Christ. In fact, it's found in verses 12 through 27 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But we stopped and we moved on. Now we're identifying them. It does give a small, slight name for them back there, but it doesn't give a description. So I'm taking time to give a description. And yesterday we talked about out of the book of uh, chapter four of Ephesians and then Romans chapter 12, we're talking about the 12 offices found within the body of Christ. And again, some of you might say, well, I thought there were five. Well, no, there's five, and I call these pulpit offices, major leadership positions in the body of Christ. But then there are seven others, which I call congregational offices. Every Christian has an office. But how you prove yourself here, if you've got a call to the five-fold ministry, I call it five-fold because that's what everybody calls it. I don't know where the, where the word fold came from, but there's a five leadership. And I call these five pulpit offices because they stand behind the pulpit and instruct other people. And so, so because of that, there's there's the other ones found in the body of Christ. If you have a call over here, you have to prove yourself over here. Nobody starts here. You don't start behind the pulpit. No, you start over here just volunteering, doing whatever you can find to do. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might and do it because you love other love people. And the Bible says, do good to all men, but especially those of the household of faith. So volunteering, I mean, working the front door and greeting people and ushering people and working with children, working with youth and helping feed people. And I mean, all the different stuff that goes on mopping behind the scenes and cleaning up and all, all that stuff is necessary. And this is how Acts chapter six pointed out that there were seven men chosen who were just faithful around the church. And they began literally by helping the widows of the church. They gave them money, they gave them the food they needed and work with that. And then with the chapters after that, two of them that were found back here have entered into major ministries in the chapters to come after that. That's how it always works out. We took up the five pulpit offices and that's found here in chapter four of Ephesians. Let's take a look at verse 11, 12, and 13. Verse 11 says, speaking of Jesus Christ, when he arose from the dead, went into heaven and sat at the right hand of the father, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And notice the word some is emphasized because not everybody stands in these offices. Only some stand in these offices. The first one mentioned is prophets. And listen to me carefully, because you're a prophet, okay, doesn't mean here in this verse of scripture that you don't start out prophesying. Or because you prophesy, doesn't make you a prophet. There's a simple gift of prophecy brought out in some other verses coming up later. But here we have it again, and there are prophets in the body of Christ. And so you don't start out as a prophet. You start out with, you know, working with people, a love for people, moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit as a Christian, as a 
person in the congregation, then God can promote you to the office of a prophet. The next one is evangelist. These are those who are gifted to win souls. Are we all supposed to evangelize? The answer is yes, but you're not all called to be evangelists. Stand in that office. And one thing that always surrounds the office of the evangelist in the New Testament is signs and wonders. And we have that scene in, in Philip, the first evangelist, that when he went to the city of Samaria, signs, wonders, and miracles were all around him. And the whole city took notice and so that evangelist ministry is surrounded by the supernatural, but they have a gift to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ, an anointing to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we to evangelize? Yes, but that does not make you a, a five-fold or a five-position in the body of Christ evangelist. There's some pastors and teachers, it goes on to say. And so, uh, and also I mentioned, I didn't mention apostles. Let's go back for that one because apostles here are literally, they're, listen, they are in the mission's work. Because you're a missionary doesn't make you an apostle, but no apostle ever began without doing missions work. An apostle is one that goes to some place and literally raises up a church, a group of people in a place where there is no church, where the name of Jesus has very, very uh, much not been mentioned, but yet there's a hunger there. So he goes there and literally, I like to think of it this way, the apostle really represents the other ones all wrapped up together. He might have to prophesy. He helps equip the saints. Uh, he evangelizes when he first gets there. He pastors for a while, but then he moves on, sets up and establishes a church. And Paul was in this office of the apostle. Chapter, uh, the end of chapter 18 of Acts, all of chapter 19 and 20 shows this whole process where he came as an evangelist to the city and began to minister the word of God and teach people and saw people saved and then began churches out of there and helped raise up churches. And by the time he left, there were churches throughout the city of Ephesus, throughout Asia, and he helped to raise those up. And then he went on and started doing the same thing in other places. So we have again, apostles, prophets, evangelists, then some pastors and teachers. And these are those that are usually called to one place. All right, pastors and teachers. Now, a teacher can travel to some extent, but you don't usually find teachers traveling all throughout the, the known area back there in Acts. No, they mainly stayed around the church. And I would often call many of these teachers also associate pastors, that they can teach from the word of God, but they are not the pastor, but they can fill in for him when he's not there. Pastor, the Greek word means a shepherd. He shepherds the congregation. The congregation is seen as, a, as, as sheep and he is the shepherd that's over them. And God has called him to that. And so we have associates here called teachers. And these teachers are found that those can teach within the local church, teach a Sunday school class, eventually become a major teacher from the pulpit. And God can call them away sometime for them to become a pastor somewhere else. These are the five offices that are mentioned there. But the key word that I wanted to bring out again that stands in front of four of these is the word some. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors who are also teachers. And again, that word, last word, some combines pastors and teachers together. I've said this before, I'm gonna say it again, listen very carefully. You can be a teacher without being a pastor, but you cannot be a pastor without being a teacher. A pastor teacher is one thing. And that is the main call of the pastor is to teach the people the word of God, to equip them. And that's why it says in verse 12, for the equipping or perfecting of the saints. The saints are those that come. In other words, those in a leadership position are one in front of the congregation and a multitude in front of them. And the multitude could be 20, 200 or 2000. And it says again here that that's what it's for. So he is there for the equipping or perfecting of the saints 
to do the work of the ministry. He's perfecting them to do the work of the ministry. I don't like the King James in this one, even some translations that put a comma after the word saints. And it reads this way if the comma's there, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. It sounds like the pastor does this. He equips the saints, he does the work of the ministry, and he edifies the body of Christ. Remove that first comma and it makes sense. He's there for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. He's there for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for then the edifying of the entire body of Christ. The way that the church gets edified is everybody gets involved, but they have leaders that help put them there. Pastors who teach the word of God, God, prophets that prophesy, apostles who come through and help establish the church, all these things, but the church is under the leadership of the pastor. And every week the people get equipped. Every week the people get perfected in the word of God and they go out and do the work of the ministry. And that secretary speaking to secretaries, ministering to secretary, bosses to bosses, blue collar workers to blue collar workers, school teachers to school teachers. In other words, those get saved from all strata of society, go out, on Monday after church on Sunday and involved in all areas of the city and they're giving the message of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we are all called to be evangelists even though we don't stand in the office of the evangelist. Evangelism is something given to all of us to go win the lost and even though we don't stand in the fivefold office of an evangelist with that special anointing to go into all the world and do this, we go into our world and do it. And our world is the office building over here, our world is the is the school over here. Our work is this over here, working in a, for a, a car lot, whatever it may be. And it says in there, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we all come into the unity of the faith. That won't happen until we get to heaven. Under the knowledge of the Son of God, that won't happen until we get to heaven, where we all know everything. In the meantime, down here, we can keep learning more, but we do not know everything. And this is, listen, the body of Christ will exist until the rapture of the church. And then the body of Christ is removed until we all come to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or a mature man. That will not happen here on the earth. It will happen at the judgment seat of Christ. There, the church itself will be cleansed of all spots and wrinkles and we will be a church without spot or wrinkle and he will present us to himself, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And then finally, the closing of verse 13, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is the purpose of God's five ministers who literally lead the body of Christ. But now understand this, they are five offices teaching the offices that sit in front of them. Every member of the body of Christ, the moment you are saved, God has an office for you. It may take you a while to discover it, but that was given literally to you in your mother's womb. Like Paul said in Galatians, he said, I was called from my mother's womb. So are we. If God knows you're gonna receive him as Lord and Savior, he puts a office in you that you don't discover till later, but it's been there all the time. And we're gonna talk about the seven congregational offices. Again, the five ministers, they preach from the pulpit, but the main one you have week after week is the pastor. He instructs everyone out there and feeds their offices. And I like to think of it this way. Because you stand in an office and somebody else stands in an office means you can hear one sermon two different ways. Or if there's 500 people, 500 people can hear it 500 different ways. The Holy Spirit can take the word coming out of that minister's mouth and break it apart like the bread that he fed the multitudes with. And everybody can have a piece of bread, but everybody receive it different. I remember one Sunday after church, 
a man came to me and said, oh, I was thinking about this on the way to church, Pastor, and you answered my question in your sermon. He said, my wife and I talked about this and I was really bothered by it because it didn't make any sense. He said, you just explained it so well. I said, well, what did I say? And he started telling me and I thought, while I was nodding my head, but I kept thinking, I didn't say that. That's not at all what I was teaching on. But somehow the Holy Spirit took it from my mouth and turned it by the time it got to his ears and used it to answer his question. Oh, the power of the Holy Spirit. It simply comes back to this. I do what God told me to do and the Holy Spirit takes it from there. And I am ministering to all those offices out there, seven different offices, and it brings us into unity. That's what I'm doing with this broadcast. I'm ministering to you, trusting to bring unity into your life and help you to understand more to where you can get along with Christians around you. But the main thing is, is that even in church, I loved it when people said, you know what, pastor, I came here and within the first or second week I was here, I recognized this is my church and you're my pastor. The same thing happens with this television broadcast. People watch it for a week or two and they realize something. Pastor, I'm, I'm learning from you. And you know what? I identify with you. That's the type of person I want to get really committed to this broadcast. What do I mean by really committed? Not just a watcher, not just one that takes notes, but one who prays for this ministry and then supports it financially. It's what you do within a local church. I'm not asking for your tithes. That belongs to the church. I am asking you for offerings above that of which you purpose in your heart or the Holy Spirit shows you what to do. If you'd like to become a partner with me, go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there on my website where you can become a partner with me. I'm looking forward to it. I'll see you right after halftime. In Romans 11:29, we are told, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Many believers focus on the very last part of this verse, but it also teaches us that God works both the gifts and the callings together in each believer's life. We are living in a day when God wants every believer to find their place in the body of Christ. This five lesson series will help increase your understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fivefold ministry gifts, the body gifts, and how each of these gifts operate together to accomplish God's will in the earth. This powerful teaching series will help you discover your callings and find your place in the body of Christ. To order the gifts and callings of God, visit our website at bobyendian.com. A new book just came in. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobdeandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership.
Before the break, we discussed the five pulpit offices. I want to go to Romans chapter eight now and discuss the seven congregational offices. Together, there are 12 offices found in the body of Christ and every person, every person can stand in one or maybe a combination of that office and some other offices working together. Romans chapter 12 verses one through eight is going to describe offices in the body of Christ which are not ones that stand in front and teach people, all right? There may be opportunities to share as a head usher, to teach as maybe a Sunday school teacher, but not really one that stands in a fivefold office of a teacher. But these are seven congregational offices found within the body of Christ. Romans chapter 12, verses one through eight. I wanna come back to it again. These are as much offices in God's sight as those who stand behind the pulpit. These are as much offices in the body of Christ as Jesus has an office in the body of Christ. And God does not look at the one who sits in the congregation and one who stands behind the pulpit preaching and say, I like you better because you're standing behind the, the pulpit. No, he loves us all the same. And when it came down to it, would Jesus rather lose the guy in the pulpit or the guy sitting out there in the congregation? He would have to say, you know what? I don't know. I really don't know. I love them both the same. Both are necessary. And that's where we come back to it. Even though one part may feel inferior to another part, the person sitting out there and listening to the guy pastor from the pulpit going, wow, that's really good stuff. I, I'm, I'm not that smart. Well, for your office you are, and God would not rather get rid of you than him. No, he loves you both the same. And he'd have a hard time deciding which one's gonna go because you're both necessary. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 12. We're gonna take a look at verses one through eight. And here Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, it comes to this point where your body needs to be a sacrifice. And this comes by the renewing of your mind. The next verse is coming up. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world. This is your thinking. Stop thinking like the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What he's saying here is the renewing of the mind is a process and you move from one place to another to another as you move closer to the perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, the mind of Bob needs to become the mind of Christ. I need to think like Jesus does, and that means thinking in line with his word. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good. That's how we start out. We move to the good will of God. Then we move to the more acceptable will of God and we finally end up at the point of the perfect will of God right where God wants us. It's kind of like this, you know, that, that when you first begin to walk with Jesus and you really dedicate your life to him, he's not only Lord because you confessed him as Lord, you're now living for him as Lord and you want his will in every part of your life. You never just jumped right into the perfect will of God. No, you start out with the good will of God. As you begin to progress more day by day, you move into the more acceptable will of God. And finally, you find yourself in the perfect will of God. In other words, right in the calling God has for you. I didn't start out as a pastor. I started out working in the church. My wife and I helped set up uh, baby cribs because our church was portable. I then took over a class and began to teach a Sunday evening class. It wasn't very big, but it began to grow. And this is what we did. We just looked for anything we could do to help serve in the church because we love the church. We love the people. And I just love the pastor. I would just hang out with him. In fact, I kept, I asked him one time, can I become your associate pastor? He laughed and said, nope, sorry. He said, I, I, I don't see that. And I said, okay, but you know what? He was right. 
I found out later on what I was called to do, but I began to move. And I, from there, I ended up being a teacher at Raven Bible Trainings. There, thought I'd died and gone to heaven. This was the perfect will of God for me and found out later on it wasn't. No, that what God had call on my life was, was to pastor for 33 years I pastored. And during those 33 years, I kept understanding more and more and more and more moving into the perfect will of God. Today, I'm taking all those years of experience, pouring it into this television, but mainly to hit you as a student of the word, to let you know where you stand and what can be accomplished in your life. I now stand as a teacher of teachers, a pastor of pastors, and I am here today to instruct those who need to be instructed. I'm here to raise up a new generation of ministers, a new generation of disciples to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. And this to me is my high calling in life. Affecting so many lives at one time, I've moved into the perfect will of God. Didn't come overnight. I moved from the good to the more acceptable and finding in the perfect will of God. Look at verse three, for I say, Paul says, through the grace given to me. We've covered this word before back in Ephesians chapter four. The word grace in the context of spiritual offices refer to the spiritual office. And the grace given to Paul was the office of the apostle. So in verse three, where he says, I say through the grace given to me, understand the emphasis and the power of what he's saying. I am speaking to you, not as Paul. I'm speaking to you as the apostle Paul. I'm speaking to you through my gift. For I say through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you. He's now talking not only to the fivefold ministries, he's now talking to every Christian in the body of Christ and especially those at the church at Rome. For I say through the grace given to me to every man who is among you, not to some. Before this, he said some, some, some. Now he's saying every person, every born again person to every man who is among you, First of all, here's how you begin to move into your office and make it a success. Stop thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Notice it didn't say on here, you shouldn't think highly of yourself. It says, don't think more highly than you ought to think. Listen, spiritual self-esteem is important to know who I am in the body of Christ. I am a child of God. Love that song. I am a child of God. But you know what? So are you. And God has called me here to minister in however way I can to you. So I shouldn't think of myself more highly than I ought to think. When I actually do receive maybe a teaching position in the Sunday school class, I can't think, look at Mr. Smart up here and you poor peons that have come to this class. Never think that way. You can learn from them as well as them learning from you. You can learn from them. And he now says this verse of scripture, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to everyone, everyone, the measure of faith. You understand something? For the measure of faith, he didn't just give it to you. He gave it to everybody. We have all received like precious faith, 2 Peter chapter 1, equal precious faith. He says that to think soberly according as God has dealt to everyone, the measure of faith. Here's how we all start out. Now in verse 4, for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. Notice this, every member of the body of Christ has an office, but we don't have the same office. In fact, let me go further qualify this because you're an individual and I'm an individual. You might stand in the same office I do. You might be a pastor. You might be a teacher as I am, but you won't do it the same way. It won't come out the same way. Your stories won't be the same. Your, your analogies won't be the same. 
Your comparisons won't be the same. Your insight into a verse of scripture. I could be listening to you thinking you're a pastor and all of a sudden I'm learning something you I've never seen before. What? You're an individual and the Holy Spirit breaks it down to you as an individual. So even though I might stand in the same office you do, I do not do it the same way that you do. All members have not the same office. Verse five, so we being many are one body in Christ and every member members one of another. We're now referring back to where we started in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What is that? Everybody in the body of Christ is different. This hand's different than this hand. This ear is different than this ear. They may both be ears, but the two don't look alike. You might even hear better out of one ear than you do out of the other. It all comes back to this. I'm the, I may have the same office as you do, but I don't act like you do. Do it like you do. Accomplish it like you do. Verse five again, being many, we are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us. Verse three, Paul said, through the grace given to me. Now he says in this verse of scripture, according to the grace given to us. He goes on to say there, having then gifts differing according to the grace given to us. Paul is simply saying, I'm speaking from my office as the apostle to your office of wherever you stand. You may not stand in the five ministry offices that stand behind this pulpit, but you are as much a minister in the body of Christ and to the world as I am. So verse six again, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given unto us. Whether prophecy, notice this again, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us. My grace is different than your grace, but it's still the grace of God. And my office and your office may not be the same, but it came from the same giver of all the offices, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first one that's mentioned here, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. This is not the fivefold office of a prophet, but we are told in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we can all seek to prophesy. This prophecy is not telling a person what's coming down the road. The future of the United States, the future of the world, the future of this city or that city. No, that is the office of a prophet. But prophecy here is really words of edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's the simple gift of prophecy that any member of the congregation could operate in at a certain time. You may not operate in it all the time, and you may not prophesy all the time as far as in front of a congregation, but when a word is given in church and a simple prophecy is given, it's not to tell the future. It is not foretelling. It is forthtelling. It's giving forth words that bring edification, exhortation, and prophecy. What's it say? Let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Verse seven is this, or ministry. This is the word diakonos. Again, ministry doesn't mean you stand behind the pulpit. This ministry is simple helping one another. Deaconing is a helping ministry. We could say this are helpers. Let us wait on that. Don't just jump into something. Volunteer for something, yes, but you may not know. You may be working in one area of the church and realize this isn't what, I, I don't feel fulfilled in this. And then you may move to, from there and you start you know, greeting it at the door, helping with ushering, whatever it may be, or they give you a class. You go, you know what, this is, wait, whoa, this is good. This is where I'm supposed to help. You're still not paid for it. You might have four or five people in your class, but you know what? You have suddenly broken into the area where you know belongs to you. Wait on that. 
Get involved, but wait on that revelation of what you're supposed to be doing. Ministry, let us wait on our ministering. He that teaches on teaching, because you are called to teach and can teach and have a gift to teach, doesn't mean you stand in the fivefold office of a teacher, but no fivefold office of a teacher ever began without teaching. Again, we see how these two work together. Goes on to say in verse eight, he who exhorts on exhortation. This is people that build people up, are able to take people down and can just build them up. That's what exhortation is. He who gives, this is offerings. There are people who are called. Are we supposed to all give? Yes. Can we all teach at one time or another? Yes. Can we all help others? Yes. But there are people who are called specifically and magnify those areas. Are we all supposed to give? Yes. But there are those who are called to give and God will bless them in their business, bless them and cause increase to come to them. Let them do it. And the word simplicity here means not for outward show. He that rules, this is one who may be in the congregation can rule as an elder in the church or whatever, but they're still not in the fivefold ministry, but yet no one begins a fivefold ministry without learning to properly rule. Let them do a diligence. And finally, the last thing is, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. You know what this verse is simply saying? All of us are supposed to show mercy, but there's some people called to a ministry of mercy. Wow, this is great stuff. Looking forward to next time. I will see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.